How long will you waver between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal is God, follow him. And the people said nothing. That's out of 1 Kings 18. And today we look at a Bible story that's one of my favorites from the Old Testament. Sure, David and Goliath is an amazing story, and Jonah is incredible, and there's lots of other ones in there. But this story tells us something about how to live amongst a culture that doesn't respect or honor God. More than that, the culture surrounding Elijah crept into the people of God, and that culture became hostile and full of persecution towards the people of God, the followers of God, specifically the prophets, but all of the followers of God. More subtly, though, and I think this is the point that we can pick up on, this culture had let time wear down the very things that kept them focused on God. It created this new kind of weird fake religion thing that we see in our day today as well, and I believe we can learn a lot from this story if we have ears to hear. I'm Matt Odegaard. Welcome to Church Public. Welcome to Church Public. I really appreciate you tuning in today. I mean, we always have a lot going on, and I have a lot of news stories that I that I do want to get to, but right now, I think it was important. I've been stewing on this story for a long time, and I just wanted to to dive into it and kind of pull some pieces out of it that I think help. I, I, I am a New Testament guy. I love the New Testament, and I read mostly in the New Testament, but I also just as part of my own personal devotional reading, which I encourage all of you to do, is read through the Bible just consistently. I just have it on a loop, and I don't, I will be honest, I don't make it through every single year. Sometimes I go faster than others, but sometimes I just really pause on certain parts, and it, and it, and it, God moves things in my soul, and I, I pay attention to that, and I don't feel like I need to rush through it because I've read through it many, many times before. So I let God kind of dictate my pace, and but I am constantly reading through the whole thing. And there's many, many, many different read-through-the-Bible plans. I'm not going to tell you which one is best. It doesn't really matter, but I think it's an important thing for you to understand the entire context of what is going on in the Bible. <clears throat> so this is going back uh, pretty early. This is the King's portion. 1 Kings 18 is what we're looking at. And again, I will get back to the news. There's just a lot of crazy news going on. A lot happened even over this weekend that I hope to get to today or tomorrow. <laughs> um, but but this is, this is important. And it, and it is like my goal is always to help you learn to follow Jesus. And that's my first goal. You need to follow Jesus. And then what do you do with that? You take Jesus out into the world. You take Jesus into culture. You take Jesus with you everywhere you go. That's what we do as followers of the way. That's what Christians were originally called. They were just the people of the way, the way of Christ, following after Christ. So how do we do that in current culture? That's my secondary goal. Of course, the first one is to help you follow Jesus. So I think this does. I think this story is going to be good. Hopefully, you can enjoy it, appreciate it, go read it for yourself. It's out of, again, 1 Kings 18. And I'm going to go through it and kind of break it apart and and do some pieces of it. So for other articles and news stories that we've covered, go to churchpublic.com and all of the socials as well at Church Public there. So here we go into 1 Kings 18. All right, we're starting in verse 21. And there's a lot that happens before that that I'm actually going to come back to at the end. But I'm starting at this point because this is like the action point of the movie. And were I a movie director... This is how I would start the movie. I would start it with this incredible action scene and all that's happening, and then I would do some unfolding of the plot. 
Again, I'm not a director, but that's how I'm directing this. So welcome to the story. This is verse 21. Elijah went before the people and said, How long will you waver between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. If Baal is God, follow him. And the people said nothing. That is the verse that we started with. And that's, the I think, the crux of this whole thing because that tells you where people are. He says, just like Joshua said before, Do you follow after the gods of this culture or do you follow after God? As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Elijah is saying basically the same thing. What are you going to do? In Joshua's case, which is a great case to go back and read through, the, many of the people decide to follow God. In this case, it really speaks to the culture. The people said nothing. I think that's important. I'm going to come back to that in a little bit, but it's important to note that they're like, eh, you know, we kind of got a good thing going. We're just going to see what happens here. We're going to just say, eh, you know, and compare that to culture, compare that to the last two years, what has been happening, who's speaking up, who's not speaking up, what are you doing personally, and let this fall into your soul and figure out in your conscience, are you saying enough or are you not? We'll come back to that again later. Verse 22, Elijah said, I am the only one of the Lord's prophets left, but Baal has 450 prophets. He says, um, get two bowls for us. Let them choose one for themselves. Let them cut it into pieces and put on it the wood, but don't set fire to it. I'll prepare the other bowl and I'll put it on the wood, but not set fire to it. Then you call on the name of your God. I'll call on the name of my God, the Lord. And the God who answers by fire is God. The people said, okay, great. So he sets out this epic battle. And I, I love this. This is actually the first story that I ever taught um, when when I uh, first started started teaching the Bible. And I did a terrible job, by the way, in the first time. So hopefully I do a better job this time, right? Um, but it's really important to see a disparity here. He sets up this epic battle, and it's the ultimate underdog battle. It's important to understand that hundreds and hundreds of prophets for the culture <clears throat> were stacked up against Elijah. And he's got one, just him. That's it. He's the one prophet left for God. We're going to come back to this point, but I don't want you to miss it because it's important to understand that there is a lot stacked up against Elijah the prophet in the culture. It's it's the entire culture is up against him. And he's not the only follower of God, but he's the only prophet left. And he's the only one as the, the mouthpiece of God representing God. And he's the only one who's saying, you guys are doing the wrong thing. You're not doing what God has called you to do. What are we going to do about this? And he sets up this epic battle of, of the gods for lack of a better word. So verse 26. All right. So he takes the bull and he prepared it. Uh, they called on the name of Baal from morning till noon. Oh, Baal, answer us, they shouted. But there was no response. No one answered and they danced around the altar they had made. Now, this part gets really good. I just, I love this part. Verse 27. <clears throat> Shout louder, Elijah says. Surely he is a god. Perhaps he's deep in thought or busy or traveling. Maybe he's sleeping and must be awakened. I do have to pause for just a moment and point out that in the Hebrew, when he says, when Elijah says, maybe he's deep in thought or busy, uh, I, I have to say this. There's, there's some connotation to the busy part that he's busy in the bathroom. I just think that's hilarious. Anyway, so Elijah is, uh, is is taunting these people. Again, remember, there's hundreds and hundreds of them and one of Elijah. But he's like, mm, your God might be in the bathroom, so maybe you should shout louder. So 
That is what they do. They shouted louder. They slashed themselves with swords and spears, as was their custom, until the blood flowed. Midday passed. They continued their frantic prophecy until the time for evening sacrifice. But there was no response. No one answered. No one paid attention. Shout louder. I think this is such a great point in our culture right now. And and we have to just like pause and really appreciate this. Shout louder. Lock down harder. Bow lower. This is really what we've been told for the last two years by the culture over and over and over again. Not that the things have worked, the lockdowns haven't worked, the science trademark patent pending, quote-unquote, has not been very sciencey, And yet, it's like, let's just do this more. Let's lock down harder. Let's let's do this longer and stronger and, and cut ourselves. And, and this is a it clearly hasn't worked, but the culture is saying, well, let's just do more of that. And and in the next episode, we're going to look at some of the madness that's happening in Australia. We're going to look at some of the madness that's happening in Canada and some of the madness that's happening in America because of this, because of this, like, forget what's really happening. Forget actual, like, paying attention to the world. Let's just do this more because more of doing the things that aren't working is definitely going to work better. 1 Kings 18.29, there was no response, no one answered, no one paid attention. Again, I think this is a really important passage for us to understand that there is a God, the culture is not him, science is not him, leaders and presidents and and, uh, kings are not him, uh, and on and on and on. There is a God, and we need to pay attention to who that God is. So, finally, Elijah, the prophet of the one true living God, says, verse 30, Come here to me, and the people came. And he repaired the altar of the Lord, which had been torn down, or other translations say the altar was in ruins. This is an important point, and this is the cultural point that I was talking about. What once was a bold and prominent presence, they're literally on the top of the mountain. Again, I skipped part of the story. You can go back and read it in chapter 18 of 1 Kings. But this altar is on the top of a mountain, and the altar had been there for a long time, but because the people had gone other ways and done other things and and practiced other religious, faiths, cultural practices, etc., the altar was in ruins. The altar was torn down. The altar was gone. And the reason an altar was important in this day and age, and the reason our faith and our practices and our traditions are important in this day and age or that they remind us of who God is, who he is in reality, who he is to us, who we are to him. It reminds us of all of these things. And without that reminder, without practicing our faith, we lose sight of the true things, the true God. So this altar that once had been bold and present as the center of their faith where they worshiped God was torn down and it was in ruins. It reminded people to follow after God, the only God that actually had the power in the universe. It was just now a pile of broken rocks, unrecognizable like the faith of those that looked on and said nothing. Back to verse 21. So what happens next? This is where the story just gets honestly incredible, supernatural, amazing. Verse 32. So, with stones he built an altar in the name of the Lord. He dug a trench around it large enough to hold two seas of seed. He just built a big moat around the altar, okay? 
He arranged the wood, cut the bull into pieces, laid it on the wood. He said to them, fill four large jars with water, pour it on the offering and on the wood. Do it again, he said. Do it a third time, he said. Um, And the water ran down around the altar and even filled the trench. At the time of the sacrifice, the prophet Elijah stepped forward and prayed. So, again, just to set this scene, the worshipers of Baal, the hundreds and hundreds of prophets, had stood up and made their altar and it was dry and ready for fire and it would have just taken a tiny little spark and if anybody has ever tried to make a campfire you know like you have the right materials and everything you just tiny little spark woof you know uh and elijah on the other hand builds this thing covers it in water in water again in water again it's drenched again if anybody's ever been camping and it's rained which i have been many times not my favorite thing it's impossible to light a campfire when the wood is wet and everything is wet and there's a literal moat around it that's just full of water. Like, this thing is not lighting on fire, right? And, you know, your best Boy Scout fire-starting efforts would not have been able to light this fire. So, Elijah prays. And I think I posted a day or two ago that we need prayer and we need prayer so much and we can't we can't forget the power of prayer. Like, I, it just... It boggles me that that we think we can do this under our own power again and again, and then it doesn't work again and again. This goes back to our human nature, but this prayer is really great. Verse 36, Elijah prays, O Lord, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, or Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, let it be known today, you are God in Israel, and that I am your servant and have done all these things at your command. Answer me, O Lord, answer me, so these people will know that you, O Lord, are God, and that you are turning their hearts back again. We'll keep going. Then the fire of the Lord fell and burned up the sacrifice, the wood, the stones, the soil, and licked up the water in the trench. So, Elijah prayed, and he prayed boldly, but don't miss the purpose. Yes, he prayed from fire from heaven. We're going to get to that in a second. Yes, God answered and burned up the fire and the stones and the water and the soil and everything. I mean, like, giant lightning bolts. I don't know. I don't know what happened. I don't know what it looked like, but it was incredible, and it took the altar down and the fire and the, and the stones and the wood and the water and everything, and God showed up, and it's such a powerful moment, and it's incredible, but don't miss the purpose. The, the fire from heaven was incredible, but not the point of the story, not the point of the prayer. That was the action to cause the real purpose of this whole experience from the beginning when we hear that people are silent. So what does he pray? First Kings 18.37, So these people will know that you, Lord, are God, and that you are turning their hearts back again. See, we start out with people being confronted with the fact that they've forgotten God and they can't even say anything. They were silent, verse 21. And they tried with all of their might, with all of their voices, even physically inflicting pain on themselves, and yet they couldn't do anything. And then Elijah prays, hey, God, I need you to do this, not for me, I'm your servant, not even for these people. It's so that they know the Lord is God. So, verse 39, when the people saw this, they fell before God. They fell flat on their faces and cried, the Lord, he is God, the Lord, he is God. This is the whole point. What does Elijah and Baal and these prophets and fire from heaven have to do with anything today? We have not changed We still try to do things under our own power, with our own thoughts, with our own ideas, with our own gods. Things like science, trademark, patent, pending. 
when things go wrong, as they will do, instead of turning back to God, which would be appropriate, sometimes we just push harder and yell harder and try harder and do all the things harder. But we come back to that first verse we looked at, 1821. But the people said nothing. I feel like this is the statement of the last couple years, and sometimes it is our statement. When the government started taking power, the people said nothing. When the government said, shut down your church, the people said nothing. When Canada just declared war on God through Bill C-4 and declared war on the Bible and followers of Jesus, if you speak the truth of the Bible and are threatened with going to jail. If, again, go back to churchpublic.com, uh, look at the C, look, search for the C-4 episode if you want to know more about that. The people said nothing. When the President of the United States of America proclaimed that babies should be mass executed to serve the whims of mothers who don't want them, the people said nothing. This whole culture in the story, Baal, the representatives of the masses had hundreds and hundreds of prophets, leaders sold out for their cause, willing to inflict physical harm onto themselves to prove a point. And opposing them is in this story, one lone follower of God, willing to stand up in the face of the jeers and the mocking and certain death. You see, I did skip some of the beginning of the story, and it's actually important to understand, because this is the place that we're getting to as a culture now, and we need to understand this more now. The reason there was only one prophet left in this story is that this evil woman, Jezebel, you may have heard of her, she had been killing all of the prophets. Elijah was the only one left. And actually, by showing his face, there's actually a little story where he's like, God, are you sure you want me to do this? Because I'm probably going to die if I go out and, and do this. By showing his face, Elijah knew he was probably going down the path of execution. Yet, God is still God now, today. We see that in a story, but God has not changed. God is still God. He can still call down the fire and the flames. He can still bring rain to a dry and weary land. He can still heal the broken and comfort the hurting. So what will you do now? That's really the place that I want to get to. Will you be like the people in the story and will you be silent in the face of what God is doing? Will you be silent in the face of what this culture is doing? Or will you follow Jesus with boldness in spite of the overwhelming odds against you? This is the choice. Just like we talked about Joshua. Will you choose to serve the Lord or not? The choice is yours. And more than ever, it begins to come at a cost. Both culturally, which we see because the culture is against Christianity. And more and more so as we continue on in this, in this culture war. And you're going to have to decide if you want to stand up, if you want to stand up for truth. This is what we talk about here at Church Public all the time. If you want to follow the world, you can agree with them and they might leave you alone. We see more and more that's not even necessarily true because if you've done anything ever wrong ever, they're still going to come for you. But you have to make this choice. Are you going to follow Jesus into this place where the culture is going to be against you, which Jesus himself said, the culture is going to be against you if you follow me, but you're also blessed if you're persecuted for Jesus. So what are you going to do? Th this is the choice you have, and, and it will come at a cost, and the choice is yours, and you have to decide. My hope, as I always say, is that you choose to follow God and that you choose to keep the faith. The reason that I repeat that over and over and over again is not because I don't have another pithy catchphrase. It's that this is really important, and it's really important right now, just like it was really important for Elijah back in this day. Regardless of the cost, you have to decide if you're going to have the courage, if you're going to be willing, if you're going to have the boldness to go forward and take whatever this culture gives you. This is an incredible story because God did show himself in the fire uh, from heaven. But God's not always going to do that. 
he's not only always going to do that, not because he can't, but because sometimes we don't know the path that God's going to take to show people his love. And that's best represented in the story of Jesus himself. The path that God chose to take instead of fire from heaven was to allow Jesus to be sacrificed and to be killed. And we follow after Jesus. I can't tell you what God is going to do with you and with your life. But you have to understand that it might not be that thing where God brings fire down from heaven and and creates an amazing display uh, in front of all the other people. It may be more like Jesus. I don't know. This is the choice you're going to have to figure out. This is the choice you're going to have to make. What are you going to do to follow after God? What are you willing to do? What are you willing to sacrifice? You have to wrestle with your conscience and figure out how you're going to do this and what you're going to accept in your life. But I hope that you choose to follow after God with your heart and your soul and your mind and your strength. With everything that you have, you follow after him. So as always, God bless. And as we say, keep the faith.